Hello and welcome to Pediapod for July 2022. This month, we're looking at the impacts of severe intraventricular hemorrhage in a rabbit pup model of prematurity. Intraventricular hemorrhage occurs in around 45% of infants born below 26 weeks gestational age. Affected infants have an increased risk of impaired neurodevelopment, causing lifelong morbidity and mortality. As yet, there's no effective treatment for IVH. In part, this is due to the lack of well-characterised representative preterm animal models with long-term follow-up. In this episode, we meet highlighted early career investigator Olga Romantsik from Lund University in Sweden. She used an established preterm rabbit pup model of IVH to analyse neurobehavioural and neuropathological outcomes to one month of age. Here she is. Well, my name is Olga Romantsik and I'm originally from Estonia. I started my medical studies at Tartu University. I knew that I want to be a medical doctor since I was five years old. So it was actually my choice from the beginning to be in the pediatrics. And while I was the medical students on my fifth grade, I met the professor Heili Varendi, professor in neonatology at Tartu University. And uh, I just felt in love with neonatology. She was a mother of four kids and she is a great clinician. And at the same time, she is doing research. So for me, it was like a very good example that a woman can do everything to be a mother, to be a clinician and to do research. Professor Varandi had a very fascinating research area. Indeed, she published a very nice paper in Lancet that described how the newborn placed on the bellies of the mother can be guided to the nipple just by the olfactory cues. I was fascinated by this research and we started to collaborate together on, on my first research papers, whether a newborn baby could learn a new smell completely unfamiliar to him within a period of time. And I worked at Geneva University Hospital and the head of the neonatology department was uh, Professor Luca Ramengi and his particular interest is the neonatal neurology and indeed intraventricular hemorrhage. And once I became neonatologist, I thought, okay, I would like to do clinics, but I would like to do also research. Me and my husband found ourselves moving to Lund because here was Professor Lakrup, who was working on IVH animal model. And here I started my journey on animal studies in IVH. That's an interesting journey that you've been on from olfaction to intraventricular hemorrhage and also a really good example of the power of influential supervisors to yeah. guide an academic's career. Yes. You've been, you, you seem like you've been very blessed. Yeah, indeed. I'm very grateful for that. So why do you use this rabbit model? Why is that superior for um, unpicking the pathophysiology of IVH? Well, because there is the fact of prematurity in this model. So it's not on the IVH, but it's a fact in prematurity. If I think about the models done in uh, beagles or in rodents, these animals are born at term. 
which means they do have the mature organ physiology. So they do have the more advanced white matter development at the time of birth compared to the preterm rabbits. They don't have the abrupt disruption of supplement of placental trophy factors, which is extremely important as well. The brain is immature to some degree in rodents, but not in piglets so much. So and in these models, the brain development corresponds approximately to gestational week 32-35 in human infants, but it's extremely rare that the infant born between week 32-35 do have intraventricular hemorrhage. Preterm rabbit model gives a very important impact of prematurity per se. So you induced IVH in your model of prematurity. And then, so what exactly were you measuring then when you did the follow-up? Uh, first of all, we looked at the survival as it was expected. The survival in IVH group was definitely lower. It's the same in the clinics. Uh, second of all, we looked at the, the survival based on sex. Unfortunately, in animal studies, the sex is not reported very often, and especially the survival. We found that, uh, to our surprise, that the female pups had higher mortality compared to the males. We didn't know why. We can't compare to the other studies because there is no data available on this. And it's quite contrary to the clinical situation when male sex is associated with a higher morbidity and mortality. Because it's the first data, we need to be extremely cautious. So it needs to be proved in the further studies. Then we looked on the neurobehavioral assessment and we used open field test. It's the test when the animal is placed in the white arena and we are measuring how much the rabbit is moving within this arena and how much animal has a coverage to go into the center of the arena. This test needs, uh, measures the anxiety of the animals. So w when you looked at those neurobehavioral measurements, then were there any differences between the IVH group and the others? No, unfortunately, we couldn't find them. And one of our explanations that the tests are not good enough. On the published studies, there are quite controversial results. So it's something that needs to be studied further. The other explanation that it's also quite relevant that the time between injury and the detection of adverse neurobehavioral was not enough. Either way, it's quite surprising, isn't it, given that there were fairly stark differences in the neurophysiology? Yes, it was a surprising result, yes. Tell me about the, the changes that you did see in the neuropathology and cortical development. Yeah, well, if I could summarize, we found that animals with IVH had changes at all different levels of brain development, uh, white matter reflected in hypermyelination and uh, myelin fiber organization, gray matter with a reduced number of uh, neurons in nucleus caudatus, the cortical aberrant cortical organization with a thinner cortical upper cortical layer and the reduced number of parvoalbumin interneurons. So there are a lot of changes in the brain. So the IVH model brain was 
fundamentally different and as you say all those different uh, all those different scales if you like yeah um does this shed any light on the pathophysiology of human ivh i think so um there are a few post-mortem studies published in humans showing that there are uh, very similar alterations so the alterations in uh, cortical development that reduce number of interneurons in the cortex uh, affected neurogenesis in the deep gray matter and of course hypomyelination so in a way these few studies in human in human infants postmortem confirmed the data that we found in our preterm rabbit model of ivh however there are many studies in preterm human infants done on mri studies and those studies have shown that apart hypomyelination there is involvement of gray matter, so the human infants do have the reduced volume of gray matter. MRI doesn't allow to go to the such a deep to understand whether there is reduced number or alteration of interneurons. However, the reduced uh, gray matter uh, has been associated with autism spectrum disorders the concentration disorder so it's it's a lot of behavioral issues that are coming within the picture in the human infants it sounds like those results suggest that this model of prematurity is a good model for actually what happens in the human brain after ivh could this model end up leading to potential treatments well it's a very good question because right now ivh is not preventable not treatable more studies are needed to confirm the results of our studies. Uh, this is for sure. And then, of course, we hope that it will help to develop treatment strategies. But uh, the road is very long to go. So, so what is your next project? I think it would be good not just to confirm this data, but I think it's go further in time. Uh, so right now, we the study endpoint was one month and I think it should be extended because it's very possible that some changes were not detected just because the time period was too short. They hadn't happened yet. No. So, and to assess neurobehavioral, I think the time should be extended. And definitely to look more specifically on the sex-based effect. It will be important even when one starts to think to develop treatment strategies, whether it might be different for females and males, even if it's not very popular to talk about, biologically it's extremely important. That was Olga Romancic from Lund University in Sweden. And that brings us to the end of this episode. Please join us again in a month's time for your next edition of Pediapod. I'm Jeff Marsh. Thanks for listening.